Hi, welcome back to the Wise Divine Woman podcast. I am Dana Irvine, and today I have Katrina Foe, and she is a certified holistic nutritionist, and I love that. You know how much I love uh, holistic nutritionists, functional nutrition, and everyone who looks at root cause and just helping women along their journey of health. That is so vitally important. So welcome to the show, Katrina. Oh. And you're coming from Mexico today. Is that what you had said? Yes, I live in Idaho, but right now at the time of this recording, I'm in Mexico with my family. So exciting how we can do these um, across the world, right? I love that that happened in the world. So tell me a little bit about yourself. What brought you to being a nutritional Pilates expert? Yeah, so I was a Pilates instructor from, I, I got trained when I was in college and opened my first studio and loved teaching Pilates. I loved looking at the body and seeing where the imbalances muscularly were and working on those. And then I had my own cancer journey and we had had enough experience seeing food as medicine in the previous years leading up to that, that I realized I wanted to do things naturally. Um, and it was, it was quite the ride. I, I got kicked out of a cancer clinic along it. I was asking too many questions, apparently. Um, I found a functional practitioner um, and started looking at what was going on. And a lot of the things that I thought I had under control that were not on my radar were really off, um, which surprised me because I thought I was doing everything right. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally to the point that a few, about a year before I had my diagnosis, um, we had moved out from Scottsdale, Arizona. We had moved out to the country in Idaho where I couldn't see a neighbor. Like Costco was two hours away. It's really out there so that we could raise our own meat. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, we made our own this and that. So, I mean, like kind of extreme. And yet there was the cancer. But looking at the test, identifying what was going wrong and what was really bothering me specifically, because now the rest of my family was sick, um, allowed me to turn that around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Amazing. That, yeah, that whole process like totally inspired me. And I wanted to go back to school to understand what had happened for myself, because I want to make sure this didn't happen to any of my other family members, right? And seeing all the information, understanding the body on this whole different level than what I had done with Pilates just sparked this huge passion for helping others to understand the functional labs and how to address their body. And yeah, I could not see clients at that point, not get the word out. There's so many people that do have that fear when they're facing the medical community that don't address cancer in a functional holistic approach, right? There's, and it's, and it needs to be a fourfold circle, right? There needs to be that nutrition, there needs to be that mental health aspect of things. There needs to be a better understanding of lab tests, right? And it's, to me, it seems pretty obvious. And I know that they only they have a job and, and it's important and it's incredible and they're very gifted, but it's this aspect of stepping back and looking at the bigger picture when you're looking at cancer care. And even from day one, the whole approach of preparing your body for treatment, right? That is a whole approach no one talks about as well, right? It's, it's donuts and sugar drinks and 
balloons and cake at the, at the cancer centers. And that's just, they just do the best that they can. Right. But so many people are very afraid to speak up for themselves. And I'm so glad that you've stepped into that role of really helping women on this journey and being able to have a cheerleader and an educator and an advocate on their side, because a lot of them do want to try a balanced, holistic approach to things. So thank you so much for stepping into that role. Absolutely. Yeah. When, when you get that cancer diagnosis, there's a lot of fear there. There is. And while on one hand, there's an immense amount of information out there, whether it's books or online or whatever, there's a lot of conflicting information. So it can get very overwhelming very quickly and it can be easily become a full-time job. I know for me, when I started, uh, when I got my diagnosis, it was like, okay, I thought I was doing everything right, but now everything's on the table again. I need to start over from scratch and evaluate both sides, every side, to make sure that I don't miss anything. Because clearly I had missed something. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know what it was. And um, it was it was tricky. It was a full-time job. And I'm, I'm blessed that I was able to do that. Um, I already had a leg up by knowing a lot about anatomy and stuff with my background, but that's not everybody's thing. And I'm glad that there's guides out there and practitioners that can look at the functional labs, and know how this relates to cancer and what to look for, because mm-hmm. it is scary and it's very overwhelming. It is. It is. So out of the, the, you have so many incredible topics to, to talk about. I, I thought approaching some of those ideas of background or root, right? Of where some people's cancers may come from, uh, even from any age. I know that my listeners are, you know, 45 plus, they're all perimenopausal and menopausal. And I think um, when it comes to that age and we're starting to prepare ourselves for breast cancer screening, whether it's uh, ultrasounds or mammograms or thermography, can you maybe give us some of those root aspects of how we can be proactive stepping into the perimenopause age group of like understanding the terrains that may cause cancer? Absolutely. That's, that's a huge question. And one it I is, get super it excited is. about, <laughs> There's a lot there. it is a lot. I'm going to, I'm going to say first off that I love that you do thermography because that is really a huge blessing because if your listeners don't already know, I'll say it for you that mammography causes cancer, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy making to think that like literally all the diagnostic tools that are at the disposal of standard of care are causing cancer. Um, you know, if you get a biopsy or a lumpectomy or anything, the, the, where they insert and draw that tissue sample out leaves track marks where secondary tumors will grow quite often, not all the time. Um, you know, the mammography, it's radiation and the thermography is such a blessing. And, um, I'm hoping that more technologies come out like that, where we can have very specific diagnostic tools that don't cause cancer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been, uh, I work with a company out of New Jersey and, and so I'm so thankful that her scan travels across the States now providing mobile ultrasound com- uh, services. So uh, whether they're great or not, at least it's there, you have a choice, it's out of pocket 
And I, I hope that more companies, even with bone density testing, uh, more mobile companies become available because uh, if, if you have the means and you have, you want to take health into your hands, that's where you get to do those things and then use everything from a bigger point of view. And that's, that's what I love about thermography is it, you're not, they're not, the breasts are not separate girls, every, they're part of the whole body. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I'm just picking up on one of the little phrases you said, if you have the means, and I think that's really key because this whole discussion comes back to like people look at it as, oh, well, if I do standard of care, then it's free, right? Because it's with my insurance, but it's not. You're still paying for that. It's just going through your employer or something or your husband's employer or something. And it really, you want to take a step back and say, what is my end goal? What do I want to be like when I'm 80? And then work backwards of how do I get there? Because if Beautiful. you just kind of go with what's offered, what's free, what's cheap, you will not end up where you want to be. And that's the thing that that's my real take home message. I was only 37 when I got my diagnosis. And, you know, so that's really quite young for most people's um, gauge, but it's the same thing. I mean, we're on this path, this trajectory, and we're either going in a positive way or a negative way. And every bite we take makes a difference. You, you can't just kind of wing it today with the amount of toxins and bad food that we're being sold as healthy. It, it doesn't work. It's, it's working against us. So true. And I was just like, okay, where's my pen? Cause I have to write something down. <laughs> so in Canada, they've just approved uh, two crazy, maybe it was you, you guys have been approved for non-meat production or is it in Canada that we've had yeah, non-meat non, non production? I'm pretty sure here. Uh, so yeah, they can just sell and use non-meat, like artificially grown meat. I'm sorry. Let me just say lab meat. I see what you're saying. Yes. Yes. We, um, I believe that's been approved here. Don't quote me on that though. It's, it's and pretty then, disgusting. Very disgusting. Cheapers. Um, and then today, yesterday, it was approved that uh, non-GMO labeling here in Canada wasn't required. Non-GMO, I mean, GMO testing, GMO labeling is no longer required. It's not required anymore? Oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. But we don't require it. It's a disaster. Um, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> definitely something that's going to be contributing to, fat, to cancer grow your own, invest in, in, in vertical towers or do the best that you can with what you can and, and remain calm. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest takeaways that people can, can get from this is that there are so many toxins, herbicides, pesticides, mm -hmm. fungicides, the GMO thing, the, the way that they um, ran the dairy with the ultra pasteurization and all these different things and the, the toxins that they're putting in us unnecessarily as preservatives and flavors and sweeteners and all this stuff, it's overwhelming. And this is not how life was a hundred years ago, even. No. This is where we have these epidemics of chronic disease and everyone's like, oh, it just happened. Like, no, it, it didn't just happen. So anything you can do to kind of roll it back for yourself is going to make a huge difference in getting chronic diseases. And by that, I'm talking about diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, 
um, you know, heart disease, all of this stuff, this is a huge driver. And the more you can take the toxic burden off your body, you know, having less of this junk in your house, the easier it is for your body to clear it out itself because it's just frankly overwhelmed. And some of us like, like me, I'm the little canary in the coal mine. Um, I'm, I don't have great genes to detox. And so this is something that I have to do like extra work and I will the rest of my life just to make sure that I'm keeping my head afloat because we're in a toxic soup. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, some other people like my husband or, you know, other people, like they have good genetic gene, you know, they don't need to do quite as much work and they can kind of slip by. Um, yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a hard one. It is a hard one. And I think it's that, that sense, like, sh- sure. It's always fun to do the 23 and me test for, to see where you were, you know, your genetic and not your, your sort of hereditary aspect, but with that offering of the health aspect of things, people are become overwhelmed and don't bother doing it, but at least it gives you that, okay, what am I set up for? And now what do we need to focus on? Do I need to focus on A, B, or C? Well, no, my genetic makeup says just A, and that's where you, like you and I need to focus on that, that detoxification pathways um, that needs to be like loved and nurtured and supported always. So exactly. The genetics are a big deal. And the, the 23 and me can be quite, quite overwhelming. Um, the tests that I like to use, uh, three by four nutrition genome are using what's called the low penetrance genes. So these are the genes that we've seen to be highly influenced by diet and lifestyle. And so they're the the things that we can do something about. It's not BRCA. Hmm. That's not really as manageable. It's things like APOE, MTHFR that we can, we know from the research and clinical studies that we've seen, you can turn these on, turn these off with easy diet modifications, supplements, things like that. And it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And there's specific ones like the COMT, like the MTHFR, like I mentioned, the GST ones um, that are really connected with cancer. You know, mm-hmm. so if I'm mm-hmm. looking at my clients at the back end and I see some of these and I see they're, you know, say they've got a slow calm T, they're going to have this backlog. They're, they're basically not processing their hormones and neurotransmitters as fast as they should. Mm-hmm. Might be good for neurotransmitters, but not so good for hormones. So they might tend to have too many hormones sticking around too long, which can cause cancer, yeah. you know, the estrogen dominant stuff. Um, and just simply knowing that can, you can make great things. So here's an example, me, I'm actually go the other way. I'm actually a fast calm tea. So I burn through my hormones and tend to run low, which is actually kind of weird for cancer. But for me, like I've got my matcha here, matcha slows me down. So just by drinking my matcha every day, it keeps my hormones. And I just redid my Dutch panel and it's, it's pristine because my hormones are at a good place just by doing that. So the diet stuff really does work if you know what you're looking at on the test on the back end. And we have such powerful tools now. That's so amazing. And thank you for clarifying that um, because it's just, and we'll add those links and all your links and all the information and stuff like that. But it's just so amazing for myself. It's a sadismutase impairment that I have, I don't utilize glutathione, right? So I was always like, do I take it? Do I not take it? How am I going to do this? But yeah, the, the beautiful glutathione, just like my brain functions, my body feels fantastic. I was just like, why didn't I do this sooner in my life? 
in my life, right? But uh, yeah, so it's just amazing. And I was going to say that, you know, we can't, there's a lot of us that, well, a lot in our lives and, and just life happens that we we can't get out of the toxins. You can't get out of the pesticides. And again, it is stepping back and preparing your body to be rid of them better. And that's where knowing and utilizing and understanding liver, how your body functions, where your genetics sort of set up so that you're not always spinning the bicycle for nothing, but being super precise and, and understanding that you need this, whereas you don't need that. Right. And, exactly. and that's, that's, I think that's the brilliance of today's uh, functional nutrition aspect that it is precise and there is no, you know, oh, should I try this? Should I try that? This isn't working. That isn't working. No, stop. Slow down. Take a breath. Let's work. Let's look at where your body actually needs the support. And I love that's how you have really uh, dug in deep about understanding the, uh, the, the geome. Absolutely. And the thing is, it also gives us the ability to prioritize. Like, there's so many amazing supplements and modalities and things that we can do that oftentimes, especially with cancer, it can get super overwhelming mm -hmm. to where it can be a full-time job, just doing all your protocols all day. And you can spend a fortune and make yourself crazy. And it's always this game of like, did I do mm -hmm. enough? Mm -hmm. Is this going to be the thing that's mm -hmm. the magic bullet? And by doing the testing, we can step back and say, okay, yes, this is an issue, but this one's a bigger issue for you. Let's prioritize that. And we'll come back and circle around there. Mm -hmm. It's not that you have to do everything. And what I see a lot is in cancer care in the alternative world. So you're not the Western chemo and stuff, but there it's like, it's like throwing wet spaghetti at the wall and just seeing what sticks. Oh, here's some IV vitamin C. Boom. Here's some hyperbaric oxygen. Boom. And they're not doing the testing to see if the IV vitamin C is appropriate. Right. Is that the best thing? Is that the best use of your money and time? And there's actually a lot of situations where that is not going to be good. And it can be actually inflammatory and caught, be like pouring gasoline on your fire of cancer. I've seen it um, visually with the thermography, right? The yes. body is just lit up. So it's hard to determine. I can't say anything, but it's hard to determine whether that is like, the vitamin C activating the body's heat to destroy, or it's making the body hot and non-alkaline and, and not functionable. So it's a, it's a hard determination. Yeah. It has to do with whether they're in a catabolic state or an anabolic state. And we can see that on the testing and see if it's an appropriate thing with certain tests. Um, and again, I am not dissing on IV vitamin C. I, I did it myself. I think they're fabulous. I just have also seen where it's, it can go the wrong way and it's not a one size fits all. No. And so it's hard to lump all cancer treatments in together if they're outside of standard of care and if you're not testing, you're guessing. I love it. I love it. So give us five terrains that are root cause drivers. We don't have time for 10 because we have such a beautiful conversation. <laughs> you want me to run through all 10 and just dig into five? Yeah, that'd be amazing. Okay. Yeah, because otherwise your 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 audience might be a little curious and I'm, I'm one for getting things answered. So I'll just list the 10. So the first is metabolic and then we have hormones. So that'd be thyroid and sex hormones. We have the microbiome, digestion and um, the actual microbiome, angiogenesis and metastasis. 
We have stress in the circadian rhythm. So that would also be the adrenal hormones, uh, environmental toxins. That's a big bucket. Um, epigenetics, which we touched on, immune, inflammation, and the mental emotional component. Yeah. So do you have specific favorites you would like to dive into? No, I, I, what ones do you find that are the sort of the biggest things to address for people just off the hop? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest one is the toxins, which we kind of already alluded to. This is the area where people often have no idea that these are issues. Um, mold is an enormous one and very few people are testing for this and it's, it's huge. And these are known carcinogens. This is not mm -hmm. like, oh, there's this woo, woo doctor that says this stuff. I mean, we have tests for the house, tests for the body. These are known carcinogens. Why are people not looking at this? Mm -hmm. um, and the way we build our houses is not, it's not great. <laughs> I, uh, I'm laughing because I keep trying the, the drywall that we put up is like the perfect food substrate for mold. And then we put the pipes behind it that can leak and it only takes like 48 hours to grow mold. And then we wonder why we have mold. Yeah. And I'm, I'm rooting for like putting these cool art deco glass pipes in front of the drywall. And my, my husband says it's too expensive, but you know, <laughs> I'm hoping someday we have better building solutions because that would be more right. of the root cause. Right. And never mind ventilation in the basements or ventilation in the, in the ceilings or ventilation in the bathrooms. Those are the easy ones that we always do and not thinking of perspiration off the pipes inside the walls. So, yeah, yeah. well, I'm going to throw another one out there. I actually have a, quite a few clients in Phoenix, which everyone thinks of, oh, it's dry. It's hot. There's not going to be any mold there. It's the HVAC systems. Those vents are not cleaned. You get some mold in there. It's a nightmare and it's spewing through the entire house. Yeah. So it's really not just about living somewhere that's muggy and moist. It's about the system and uh, yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's a lot. It's a lot. It yeah. is. It is. And but testing those toxins can be huge because then, then you have the eyeballs of, okay, where do I need to do the detective work? Right. What do I need to look at? Cause you don't feel these things necessarily. It's very true. Yep. And it's, and even, well, being out in the cottage, being here at camp, it's, it's everywhere. So you have to really uh, be careful. And I can tell when things are really damp and moist, as you can probably tell with a little bit of my voice, I've been here too long. I need to go back home, but it's um, this aspect of, of that fresh air and then even having fresh air devices to sort of like Dr. Air and things like that to uh, sort of clean up things or assist, assist at least. But again, it's still recognizing how your body responds to it and recognizing the different things that you can do with support to clear those things within the body and within the household as well. Yeah. I talk a lot about needing to stop the inflow mm -hmm. and then do the work internally because, you know, you'll, you, you know, that everyone knows that we have detox mechanisms in our body, but if they're gummed up, if they're overloaded, mm -hmm. you know, the body's not able to get things out. Um, that's where we can come in and strategically with testing and supplements, we can get things moving and make sure that it's not too fast or too slow where people then have awful symptoms in the process. Yeah. Awful, awful. So yeah. exactly. So tell me about the stress aspect. Uh, so stress, that's going to be related to the circadian rhythms, the adrenal hormones, um, 
you know, who doesn't have stress, especially coming off of years of COVID. Yep. Uh, it seems to be ubiquitous across the entire world, but oftentimes this has to do with being thrown off with things like infections, inflammation, um, metabolic blood sugar issues. Mm-hmm. And so you can start to see how this is all tied together. This system throws this system off, throws this, I mean, they're, they're like a spider web and we like to parcel them out into nice little separate sections and they don't really work that way. It doesn't. But no. no, it doesn't. Yeah. And looking at those adrenal hormones, we can see is the person too amped up. Typically a cancer client tends to be that go, 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 go kind of stuck in a sympathetic response. A lot of times, you know, their cortisol, those adrenal hormones are super high. And then after a while they might crash, but it's not the nice flow they should have. Maybe they're not, their bedtimes are screwed up. You know, maybe they say things like they're a night owl. I used to say that. I was like, no, no, I'm just a night person. I do better than, and now I wake up at like 536 without a clock and just no matter what. Right. And it's, yep. Yep. The way I feel great. Be. And I was like, it just blows my mind. of like, oh, I could have been doing this my whole life, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But it's these, these things that we recognize and then finding the tools that are going to assist. And when I'm talking with clients, it's like, you really need to journal and understand your own self, you know, until you find that person who's going to be able to, to, to assist you in that physical or one-on-one or whatever they're needing. But it's this, you just need to understand you and your stressors and you need to just recognize them first, Right. Yes. And this, this terrain has a lot of crossover with the mental, emotional one. So, you know, knowing your personal stressors, whether they're good or bad, I think a lot of times people dismiss the good ones of like, oh, I'm planning my daughter's wedding. That's not stressful. Well, it is stressful, you know, and being able to say no to things or people or things in your life that are stressing you. Um, even just like you're saying, identifying like, Oh, I get anxious when dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And, and identifying and putting your finger on it and trying to work backwards of how can I avoid that? Whether it's nutraceuticals, whether it's prayer, whether it's like changing the lifestyle, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's different for everybody. And this is the area that I think is the hardest, that mental, emotional kind of stress piece. And this is the one that everyone wants to kind of be the ostrich and bury their head and be like, I'll deal with that another day. But, and I'll be honest, like, this is the one that I'm still working on probably the most that I kind of did the ostrich. And so I'm a little sensitive of like, make sure you don't miss this one. Cause the thing is with cancer, there's almost always, there's always the outliers, but usually there is within a year of the diagnosis, there's something that has deeply hurt the person's heart, whether that's a grief mm-hmm. loss, you know, betrayal, something serious has happened and they may not at the time of the diagnosis be ready to deal with it. They may need to wait several years, work on the other stuff, circle back around, but just putting it out there of like, mm-hmm. there's something probably there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talked to a new client, uh, just a few days ago and her dad had died like three or four months before her cancer diagnosis. She was coming to me like a year later, um, to work on stuff after she had done some standard of care work. And she's like, I think I've dealt with this. I'm like, okay, well, let's make sure because you know, that grief process can sometimes last a long time and we don't want to ignore this. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's there. 
It's so true. I think it'll be, to me, secretly, it'll be interesting to see what the impact of disease-wise will be this in the next couple of years after COVID. Mm, right? Very much. It'll, that Because it was a very hard uh, internalized and externalized stressor that people had no control of and how are we supposed to function and things were, there's a lot of emotion dealt with uh, COVID in that aspect, good or bad, but it's, there's a, it's a very emotional driven situation that lasted a long time and still to this day lasts. And so to me, it's going to be interesting to watch um, how people are recovering and how people are responding to that because it encompasses a lot of the terrain factors. Oh yeah, absolutely. On so many different levels. Yeah. Um, and I don't think people are really talking about that as much as maybe, yeah, we need to. Yeah. It's so true. So true. So what's next? Mm, well, I'm thinking the metabolic one we should talk about. Excellent. Um, Tell so, me your thoughts on metabolic resistance. Yeah. So, you know, the Warburg effect, it, you know, Dr. Warburg won the Nobel prize, like back in the thirties for identifying what cancer is. Mm -hmm. So this is known, this is old school. This is not new, but he identified that the defining factor of a cancer cell is that the metabolism has shifted in the mitochondria inside the individual cells so that it's burning fuel differently. It's shifting from oxygen to non-oxygen. And so instead it needs lots and lots of blood sugar and anything that's carbohydrate can turn into blood sugar. Correct. And so it needs like huge amounts more. And so that's why it also creates all this extra blood supply, which is called angiogenesis mm -hmm. to get more blood, to get more sugar. So, you know, when you're talking about like in the chemotherapy labs, they're giving them donuts and, Oh, food doesn't matter. Have some cookies. Like it does. And there's research showing that, you know, eating the carbohydrates actually is fueling the cancer and that, you know, eating that with chemotherapy actually prevents it from getting into the, the cancer cells as well. Like mm -hmm. being in a fasted ketogenic state, going into chemotherapy is far more effective yeah. if you're going to do chemotherapy, um, much less just getting into a, a ketogenic state in a therapeutic level for clients, um, whether or not they're going to do standard of care. It's, it's super key. Very key. Very. Yeah. yeah. And I love that you had uh, said that the keto fasted. And I think for a lot of situations, keto, it depends, but the fasted state for people is, is a great way to really turn things around and really focus on changing many aspects of health. Yeah. Of body, so. Now all of this is, I'm, I'm speaking very generic. It's very <laughs> tailored to the individual, what they have going on. But the problem I find is that most clients are coming to me and they're not eating a standard American diet. If they are educated enough to look into this and find me, they're not doing that. What's going on is that there's something else, whether it's genetic or there's some, some kind of other like toxins, like mold will do this, um, that is messing their blood sugar up to where they can't get it lower. And, you know, so I love to tell people, especially women that are overweight, like it's not necessarily your fault. There may be other factors. It's not calories in equals calories out stuff, Yeah. but dialing that in and really figuring out what they need to eat specific to them is very important 
for cancer or for any prevention, it doesn't matter, but making sure that those blood sugar numbers, um, are in line because the insulin, that hormone, that is like the mama hormone. And if that is off, like all your other hormones are going to be off. Like you've yeah. got to get that one dialed in first. Yeah. Um, even if we're talking about, you know, not cancer, but like hot flashes or just libido or things like that, where, you know, you want to make sure that it's all working together. Love that. I love it. That's it's so important. I mean, when I'm you, it's this always this fine factor of I don't think there's anything wrong with my sugars. And you go to your conventional doctor, and then your your sugars are of course fine, and they only ever run one test. And I'm, it's always okay. So I always mm-hmm. say, well, where was your sugar last time you did your blood work? So those are this at least get you started in looking at things, or at least you can get the have the access to to glucose monitors more yes, so than many other parts super- of the country. Mm-hmm. And yes. at least to monitor, especially if they're struggling and especially if they, they have hit a wall with health, right? And um, at, at least it's getting them to step back. And I think this is, and, and society, the grocery stores, the fast food industry, um, all of that, even if it is healthy, you know, um, I don't know if you guys have uh, food delivery to the house where it's like make your own stuff, like fresh mm-hmm. foods and stuff like that. But it, again, it's there's still lots of ultra processed things that we need to be stepping back from. Uh, as Mark Mark Hyman has said, you know, the ultra processed food, as good as it is, whether it's gluten free, dairy free, egg free, all this is still ultra processed. Yeah. There's layers of all these different issues that we have to strip away Mm -hmm. and figure out for ourselves because what is healthy, Mm -hmm. you'll find any kind of definition you want based on what you're looking for. And the bottom line is the processed is the, I think we all agree on it, but you know, is it animal products? Is it plant-based? And that's a big one because in cancer circles, it's, it's raw vegan stuff, a lot of discussion. And now ketogenic diets coming to the forefront but, you know, trying to get the blood sugar down on a plant-based vegetarian, vegan diet is almost impossible. And you're not going to get enough protein and the proteins and things you're getting are not bioavailable. So one of the big things in cancer circles is they do lots of juicing. Yeah. Well, juicing, you're taking out the fiber, which is what they've shown is feeding the microbiome. Like you're throwing away the good stuff and it's like a big sugar bomb. Like granted, there's some, some vitamins and stuff in there. So like carrots, the big thing is the beta carotene. And mm-hmm. we know that you need vitamin A for cancer, but about that's not the active form. That's the uh, preform and your body still has to then convert it to the retinol vitamin A form. And about 30% of us genetically can't do it. And guess it, what? It's usually the cancer clients that are this 30%. So right. I want to say thank you to the cows for converting it for me. And, you know, eat their meat and get it from that. So I, my body, especially when it's sick and not doing well, I want to take as much work off my body as possible so that it can really streamline and focus in on what it needs to do and not have to do extra work. Um, And that's, that's a big one for me. So sorry about the vegetarians out there, but it's hard people. Some people are just not made to do that. Like there's a, it's, it's so hard and it's, is so hard and that's why it's important to to pair up with people like yourself in that functional cancer aspect as a practitioner um, 
because it is so important to understand how your body is functioning and what it needs and how it is metabolizing the food that you're putting in your mouth. And is it actually working? Right. Yes. And then it's, I'm it's a, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to circle back around to what you're talking about with the numbers. If you're doing a fasting glucose, that's a lot of times, I mean, yes, it's blood sugar, but if you're doing it fasted, it's almost more of a sense of like adrenals testing and seeing like what's going on in the middle of the night. If you crash and you bump that back up with cortisol to get your blood sugar back into place. Um, what I really want to see, like you alluded to is that hemoglobin A1C to get kind of a three month average mark of what your blood sugar is mm -hmm. doing. Um, and the LDH, I really want to see that as well. So those are some markers that aren't being run as often as you alluded to. And I'm not sure about Canada as much as the U S but I rarely have somebody coming with me with their hemoglobin A1C and their LDH. No, I've, um, I've asked those things before in the past. They're like, I've even asked for vitamin D in the past. Well, you have to pay for that. I'm like, I know. Thanks. I'll pay for Why it. Why would you want to pay for that? <laughs> of course, I'm going to pay for it. Sure. Bring it on. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, and, and that's what, these are tests. These are things that people don't know. Like what tests do I run for these different tests? What tests do I run for liver? I'm like, when's the last time you did a liver? Like, how is that functioning? What's going on? How's your kidney doing? What's your inflammatory markers like? Yep. Well, I have no idea. I'm like, well, take a look at your blood work, understand it, research it, read about it. Where, yeah. did, where did things change from this year to the, to the next? Right. And it's just even these, those tiny little simple steps that at least open people's eyes to, Oh, I should probably look at things a bit differently. Right. Well, I don't know why I'm so stiff and sore all the time. <laughs> yeah. And those inflammation markers um, there's three of them, the HSCRP, the LDH, and then the SED rate. Like I use those to monitor um, because I mean, relatively, they're not expensive compared to scans. They're not invasive. And with my active cancering clients, I will look at those every month and we can see if something's going sideways way right. before it's going to show up on a scan. Again, I don't know why they're not looking at this, but you can see those inflammation markers just when things aren't going right. Exactly. Exactly. And then you can step back and really pause for a second and not stop spiraling and go, yes. how can I be a little more functional and, and that aspect of things? Um, one thing I wanted to say, when you have people that come into you for a, a cancer um, diagnosis, right? Do you find like the spiral and this, the severity of how rushed things need to be do you find you try and get them to calm down and step back and prepare themselves, mind, body, and soul for, for, cause that's how I approach things. I, if I have someone say yeah. I have stage zero or I have, I have something or, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> who, yeah. who no. are you working with? And you pause and breathe for a moment, please. There is time. There's always I love that question, which is why I'm laughing because it's so important. Um, the standard of care is very focused on high pressure sales. Yeah. They get you in there. They have a diagnosis. They want to get you signed up. Even if it's not an urgent thing, like you said, like stage zero, they act like it's stage four. You're on your deathbed. And this is a sales thing. And I think people forget that doctors are salespeople. They have a service. And if we would look at that, like any other industry, I think it would behoove us 
you know, as a society. So my perspective is, yes, take a breath, pray about this, look into other things, know what you're getting into, look at where you want to be and work backwards. I mean, right. this doesn't have to be like you spend a year thinking about it, no, no, but no. You know, take a breath and really, you know, seek wise counsel and look at what your options are so that you're not rushed into something and regret stuff. I hear people all the time. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that, mm-hmm. but they were rushed into it. Rushed. They're um, so rushed. Yep. Yeah. And so for me, I just have the question, like, why do we need to put extra stress when we know, like stress was one of the terrain 10, like we know that this is a thing that drives cancer. So one of the things that I've done, I I try to de-stress that with all my clients, but I actually have retreats where I'm like, why can't we do non-toxic pedicures sitting by the pool while we learn about our genetic SNPs? Why can't we do some non-toxic facials and some dancing mm-hmm. to get our stress released mm-hmm. while we talk about our metabolism and such and learn? Because it should be a, it doesn't have to be scary. It can be a fun process. It has to have and balance. You- it does. And yeah. if we're going to like get ourselves out of the rut that got us into cancer, we have to do something different mm-hmm. and stressing more about it and like bearing down more is not working. No, I I really feel, even just for myself, but I really feel there's a sort of a sense of a loss of joy in aspects of things right now. And maybe it's just me personally, but I really do find that there is this sense that there's this, um, there's a a joy that's missing in in aspects of, of life. And whether it's just still this COVID grieving process, um, yeah. or maybe it is grieving, but I always am reminding them to find their joy again, right? It's so important. So yes, dancing and yes, pedicures and yes, laughing, right? And it's just so important to have, um, again, this stepping back and finding where you're deficient where are you lacking luster in your life and how you can connect to recognize and honor that inner intuition that, that God has given us, right. This gut feeling about where we're out of balance, because those are going to be the keys of understanding um, your, your, your life and your health. So you're not slapped sideways with a cancer diagnosis, right. When it was to a lot of people around you, it's kind of like obvious you're, you, you go a hundred miles an hour, you don't chew your food, you never eat. So, and you drink a bottle of wine a night. So it's always is very simple things that we hear from, or we can see if we just would step back for a second and breathe and honor. And, you know, even when you're like, oh, I'm really stressed out about that. But at least we could step back and go, wow, thank you for letting me know I'm stressed out about those things. And I should probably do something about it and find the balance in things. And um, yeah, we don't dance enough. That is for sure, Katrina. Exactly. Yes, Yes, exactly. And I love that you've created these incredible uh, offerings and these incredible healing journeys uh, for women and for men uh, as part of this whole cancer approach and helping people understand um, not living in fear no matter if it's before or after and the whole, because it's so important, right? Because it's just a, a so fear-based 
um, uh, death-based when it comes to even talking about these things. And it is not, it's about living and it's about re reassuring ourselves and rejuvenating our bodies and our minds. And uh, all of this needs to happen to see really good changes um, for our health, no matter what the diagnosis is, right? So exactly. Yes. Yeah. And this is all of this information and these terrain 10, which those are not my original things. Those are Dr. Yeah. Nisha Winters. Um, they're, they're for any area of health. They uh, are. They are. With the exception of the angiogenesis, um, you know, this is for autoimmune, this is for diabetes, this is, you know, any of the areas, this is just basic health stuff that we need. And, and this is a lot of what I'm talking about in my book, because we need to have this framework for general health, not just cancer. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Well, to me, the, it's not so much the angiogenesis. It, it is this increase of inflammation that you have, Oh, I'm getting more of these more if I have arthritis or now I have this and now I have that. Yeah. And I'm, okay. <laughs> Pause and breathe and recognize that you're not doing something right. And yeah, it's crazy, but I do thank you so much for everything. And we're going to make sure that book link is in the notes today. And all of your incredible information is there as well, because I think there are so many women and so many men out there looking for practitioners like you who are going to be able to come alongside and make sense and, and at least help them understand their journey or at least what got them to this pivotal point in their lives. And it doesn't need to be cancer. It can be anything. It can be divorce. It can be diabetes. It can be, it can be loss of jobs. It can be a terrible menopause aspect of things. And we're all coming to a pivotal point in our lives. And I love how... To me, it's it's this point of, of wisdomhood in our lives that we are now pivoting as women coming into menopause, that we shift gears. Our health changes, our mind changes, and we have to be able to honor and move where we are so that we can grow and share and sage and become better people uh, without this falling back on things all the time. And woe is me. And I'm just, it's just a downhill spiral from here. No. So. No, best years are yet to come. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, I look forward, maybe someday we can do another one because there's always so many great topics to talk about. Um, and I do thank you so much, Katrina, for sharing your time as you're on holidays with your family today. What is one nugget of wisdom? One nugget of wisdom that you can share, like you wish you would have known. I wish that I would have known how much the emotional stress plays in. I think that in the church, we tend to just say, you know, forgive and forget. And we don't some always deal with stuff, uh, at least the churches that I were, was going to. And, you know, you just try harder. And um, I, I really wish I had dug into that more. Um, back then beforehand and even after, you know, it, that was the hardest one. And this is the one that I have a lot of resistance sometimes with clients. They want to look at the labs. They want to look at the numbers. So, you know, like you were talking about journaling and really knowing yourself and getting extra help with a counselor or therapist. There's a lot of great modalities out there now mm -hmm. that can get you into that parasympathetic stage. For me, I love the coffee enemas. They're cheap and easy and they do it for me like every time. That's not everyone's cup of tea, pun intended, um, <laughs> but, but there is a lot there. And I would just encourage people to, 
to, to really focus to face on that. that. Yep. Man up and face it and really understand. And it's okay to have those feelings and it's just, it's processing it. Right. So. Absolutely. Yes, awesome. exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. And it's been such a blessing. Thank you so much, Katrina. Thank you.